Welcome once again. It's On Mike with Jordan Rich. She's an internationally acclaimed expert on dealing with stress and doing so with humor, grace, and sensibility. She's the one and only Loretta LaRoche. And whether she's speaking to a group of thousands, keeping the nation in stitches on PBS television, or sitting down for a chat with her old pal, me, she's certainly one in a million. Through her writings and personal appearances, Loretta has brightened thousands of lives, including mine. I'm sitting down with her today and with the significant other in her life, jazz musician extraordinaire and great guy, Kenny Wenzel. Well, once again, it's another edition of Old Home Week here because here I am with uh, wonderful friends, uh, one lady I've known for so long, Loretta LaRoche, and it's a thrill to meet Kenny Wenzel, man. It's great to meet uh, the brother of the guy who taught me piano lessons when I was eight years yeah, old. That's right. How are you, I'm Loretta? good. I'm good. I'm still, we're still alive, the two of us. Still kicking and still working <laughs> and, and doing all the cool things. I'm going to talk about both of you and what you do collectively, but Loretta, I met you years ago uh, after your amazing success on PBS, and you've became a household name with that. That was amazing, wasn't it? Yes, it was amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but where does this all start for you, this idea of helping people get through stress with humor and, and thinking about the joy of life as opposed to the agony? Where does this all start for you? I think it's because I was a breech birth. Oh. <laughs> I, I think when you come out that way, you see the world in a different way. Way. <laughs> yeah, I guess you would, if, if anatomically and every exactly. other way. And, you know, I come from a Sicilian family, born in Brooklyn. A lot of passion there. A lot of hysteria, <laughs> a lot of laughter, a lot of uh, food. Uh, it was always drama. And I was the uh, first grandchild to be born and into this crazy family, three stories in Brooklyn, uh, you know, brownstone. And they used to bring me uh, out to entertain them. So I was very precocious. I didn't even speak English till I went to school, and um, I every every time every time they had somebody come over, they'd have me come <laughs> come in and pretend I was Charlie Chaplin. I had a Charlie Chaplin bowler and a mustache. Oh my goodness! So and you were born to do this? I think so. I really do. Uh, you, know, you some people have said you're you're as funny as any stand-up uh, performer they've seen, and yet. You're not really a stand-up comic. You're, no. That's not your thing, but you have an amazing ability to knock them dead when you're out there. My mother would roll in her grave if she ever heard I was a stand-up <laughs> comedian because she, she worked her fingers to the bone, as she mm. says, to send me to college. So uh, I, had a, I had to have an education. And um, I have nothing against stand-up comedy. It's just that I really wanted to educate people to be lighthearted, to reduce stress, because that's my passion, really. I love research. Mm -hmm. I uh, was an adjunct faculty member at the Mind-Body Medical Institute, which is part of Harvard Medical School, for 15 years. And to me, that was an amazing coup to be accepted into that very research-oriented kind of place. Well, there is so much. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it. There's so much of this that, that people need to think about, particularly now where the stress levels are going through the roof. Oh. I just read another uh, a piece on that, that we are really at the tipping point for anxiety. People, mm. uh, there's, you know, people are on antidepressants and you can see, you know, the irritability. People just mm. spout off and are angry. And I, I think I know why. I'm not going to blame it all just on the political atmosphere. I think we've been on this road for quite some yeah. time. Yeah. And and social media and the phones and the gizmos and all that. Here you are sitting next to this 
I'm going to call him genius, a musician. Uh, and oh no, I mean that. Kenny Wenzel is known as one of the, the top jazz players. And let's talk a little bit about the quartet. We are not dead yet. <laughs> We're not quartet. dead yet, quartet, yes. Uh, Kenny, first of all, come in close yeah, to the mic okay. and say hello. Hello. Uh, it, you, you're with this amazing woman. I don't know how you have the energy to stay with her and keep up with easy. her. No, it isn't. But you're a jazz cat. So tell me about the quartet, first of all. Tell me about the guys. Well, it's uh, Teddy Casher. Uh, is on sax. I'm on bass on this uh, group. Mm-hmm. I'm playing bass. My brother's on piano, who you know. Well, you know. Kurt, yeah. Yeah, Kurt. And then uh, we have uh, her, and that's... Uh, her? You her. mean that lady right there? <laughs> yeah, this lady here. And Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson, too, yeah. Dick, sorry, the son of the great... Uh, Dick yes. Johnson's son, yes. yeah. Oh, my gosh. What yeah. a what a. Group. I feel... I can't even believe it sometimes. I say, what the heck am I doing with these people? So you... This is interesting because uh, you are with these people and bringing music into the the program right. just makes all kinds of sense, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I you know I like to keep reinventing and testing the waters and doing new things. And I mean, I, I'm a I love jazz. I grew up with it in New York and mm. Brooklyn. I mean, you know, went to the Metropole. I saw Sarah Vaughan and all the all the great jazz cats, as you say, in Central Park for free when I was in my teenage years. So. To me, this was like heaven. I would go home from school and pretend I was a jazz vocalist when, while my mother was working. Wow. And, uh, you know, well, I thought, wow. this. Wouldn't is- you say that uh, music, and I think particularly jazz, which is sort of sort of free-flowing and ad-lib and, and uh, off the cuff in a way, uh, is a great stress reducer in itself? I mean, the It's idea- magnificent. And if people want to know the neuroscience— Jazz musicians, when they're playing, use a complete brain. It's an all-brain activity. And uh, mm-hmm. they're totally in the moment. And the people who are listening get half the amount of bang for the buck listening to jazz musicians. That's interesting. Kenny, what's your background? I, I mean, I know of you now and all that you've accomplished, but tell me how it all started for you guys. Well, I uh, in high school, if you want to go that far back, I won a scholarship at the Berklee School of Music in mm-hmm. uh, 59. <laughs> which okay. is a while ago. And then uh, from there, I went to school for a while, and I went on Woody Herman's band. And if you remember that band, in uh, sure. 63 and 64. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I came home, and I worked at, all around Boston and uh, went out on the road with different people and different bands. And I finally got a thing with Peter Frampton in 79. That was oh, fun. Yeah, wow. I did that whole thing. That was really, He's a nice guy. I interviewed is, him years ago. Really? Yes. A, he is a groove, man. He's he, a real yeah, nice guy. Yeah, and a guy. good musician. Much One of the best guitar players. Right. I'll, I'll tell you, he right. was doing all the record dates in England when he was 17 and 18 years old, before yeah. we got with Humble Pie or whatever happened. Right, right. He had the huge yeah. album and all that, but yeah. he's, he's a very fine musician. Oh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Well, that's cool. And of course, uh, we always bemoan the fact, and maybe we shouldn't, that jazz is is always sort of pushed aside in the popular right. realm. But you yeah. know something? I've, the older I get, the more I think, fine, let us have our jazz. Leave us alone. I'm with exactly. you. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. never going to be mainstream. Yeah. Because no. it's it's more of a thinking person's, and I should probably shouldn't say that. I don't mean to uh, leave not, out uh, all those. You're not offending anybody who listens to me, I'll tell you that. So, Loretta. You have done this now for for decades, and oh, it's God, really yes. become it's become a signature thing to really do these these stand up. Uh, I don't not stand up comedy, but these stand up presentations to corporate groups, right? To to the general public, you. I'm filled. an edutainer. <laughs> edutainer. 
How has it changed or morphed, though? How from the early days? Oh. I mean, what what's what's new and different that you had? Well, to make when I first started, they looked at me like I was insane. Oh, you you want us to laugh at work? Oh, yeah. uh, you know, because I I went into some of these Boston venues, particularly a law firm. I'll never forget. They all wore gray suits <laughs> and the same ties, and I thought I was in a clone ship. You know, not a not a law ship. <laughs> And, you know, I used to hear in the medical, well, I don't know if you can, you know, we can't laugh when we're working with patients. And I I mean, I was pioneering something that was looked at as if, you know, this is just absurd. Wasn't Norman Cousins the one who wrote that famous book? And people people said, wait a minute, he's watching the Marx Brothers and getting better? Anatomy of an illness. (laughs) Right, right. In fact, he, I would say, was my mentor. I finally got to do a program with with him Mm. before he died. And I read the book and I thought, wow, there's something here. You know, this is... This is really unique. I got to tell you that the first time I saw you live, I had well, I was working with you. Better than dead. Yeah, exactly. No. I was working with you <laughs> in the sense that I was emceeing part of the program, and you came out and did your thing. It was Remax, I think, with the big yeah, balloon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you put the Viking hat on, all right, that's that's the be all and end all. That that killed. It's, I know. Does it still work today? Oh, yeah. As effectively, yeah. <laughs> explain what I'm talking about. Well, the Viking hat really is is a, the correlate to somebody who's a control freak, you know, because they want to be Attila the Hun, <laughs> and that's really the, uh, an example of what I try to relate to people is that you have these this inner sitcom that you're not even understanding, exactly. and you come out with these absurdities which could make you laugh instead of making you cry and go crazy. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, if, if you were to videotape yourself, and we can now do that with the machines we have, you'd probably laugh until you cry or cry until you laugh because it's so silly, some of the things we get all riled up about. Well, it's called catastrophizing and yeah. awfulizing. You have yeah. 60,000 thoughts a day. How many of them are real? <laughs> wow, the 60,000 thoughts a day. And I can only remember about six of them or eight of them, right, well, Kenny? The, old, the older we get, the less of them we will, we will remember. Yeah. But, you know, we... You, you know, we, you talked about the level of stress today. I was reading about millennials, millennials oh. and th- th- these are the youngest of us, and they're the worst, uh, not affected, I guess. What, what can we do for these young bucks? Well, they're the first, one of the first generations that they believe is going to die earlier, too. That's Mm. what's happening. They're they're finding colon cancer amongst them and more breast cancer, et cetera. What can we do for them? I think we have to get involved with the parents first because many of the parents do the same things that the millennials are doing. Where did they get the idea to walk around looking at their phone all day like a crane? Um, you know, they're watching their parents who do the same thing. Well, there's also the the need, the the, the overriding need to be perfect. And that's, oh, oh my awful. God, that's the worst thing you can. I mean, the thing I love about jazz, getting back to the music for a second, is that you can hear a piece that is phenomenal, and you can hear it the next day by the same player. It's different. Exactly. It doesn't mean that one's any better. It just means it's beautiful yeah. in its own way. That used to be the way with human beings. <laughs> what happened? Because now the whole concept uh, to get through life is to be busy. Yeah. That's a ref- that's indigenous to your self-worth. If you're not busy, you're a dirtbag. 
uh, you really have to go on and on about what you did. I went to the dentist. I flossed my teeth. I got up. I walked the dog. <laughs> then I ran, got in the car. There was too much traffic. I mean, people just have to tell you what they're doing all day long. Exactly. And uh, this need to be accepted be, be, due to accomplishment as opposed to just who you are. Uh, what's that thing uh, you, you say to somebody instead of what do you do? Who are you? Tell me how you are. Exactly. Forget about what you do. I mean, that's the first question we always, what do you do? I mean, it's yeah, fun, sure, but sure. it's not the key. And, and not everybody does that. I don't think the Europeans uh, uh, do that. Uh, no, I think you're right. I think the different cultures have figured it out. Uh, we are workaholics extent. in this country. We relate right. to working, yeah. not to playing or having fun or laughing a lot or whatever. It's like, oh, you know, God. You hear from people, obviously, from the audiences they're getting feedback, but tell me about things that might have surprised you over the years that you've heard from people. I mean, uh, some people that maybe got back to you and said, oh, my God, this I never thought of it this way. Do you get that kind of— Oh, God. I get, I get emails from all over the world sometimes. I'm, I'm you know, struck by the fact that, you know, people in um, Amsterdam have my books. <laughs> Why not? They're, your books are all over the world in many languages, right? Well, you know, I'm not like uh, Graham, you know, writing all these tomes that come in with two million people. But one of my books has sold like almost 400,000 copies. Uh, that's pretty darn impressive. That's pretty darn impressive these days. Um, and what's the best way for you to reach people these days? Are you active? I know you have a great website, but are you, is you finding it's it's so different than say, 20 years ago, and oh, yeah. you'd have to pick up the phone and talk to a guy about booking a place? It's, well, it's... my son has really been my booking agent, mm -hmm. Eric, uh, for the for God knows how long. You know, we go we go through uh, periods where we're going to kill each other, and then we're very joyful. And It's very Sicilian. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right? I never, I, I mean, I, I actually have a desire to go to Sicily. Me too. Oh, <laughs> because of the beauty of it, but I've also known some people from Sicily. I know you. You got to keep up with them, right, oh, Ken? Absolutely, absolutely. You guys were telling me how you met, which is hysterical. Yes, isn't it? Uh, and the fact that you're now nine years together, eight, nine years. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. great. So the stress. We, we got married on my birthday. Oh, because yeah. I didn't want to forget. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that means Kenny is doubly uh, engaged, so to speak. He's got to remember the anniversary and the birthday. So All right. you All don't right. forget that. You don't forget not. that. Let me ask you, Mr. Wenzel, yeah. about this lady, because I want her to be quiet, which is not okay. easy. No. I can be quiet. I want I want you to talk about you. You know her intimately more than many people. The real Loretta has this aura about her, this public persona. Is she that way at home, too? Or does she complain about uh, you not doing the dishes? A little of each. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but oh, she's she's very good. She notices all, everything. She sees everything. She like I'll put something down and forget about it. She'll say, "What's that doing there?" Like, oh. Oh, and that's just the beginning of how it is. Okay. She's very aware. Is I have a word? similar situation at home. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. I, yeah. She said she'll say to me, "You know, you didn't clean this bowl." I said, yeah. "Well, yeah, it's clean enough. There's a few things. You know, I'm going to wash it before I use it again, right?" <laughs> Exactly, exactly. What would you say, uh, Loretta, is your goal for the, for this year, this coming year? Is, is, are you morphing and changing the shows based on what's going on in the world? Oh, yeah. I always add, you know, the uh, social part of uh, enters into what I do. I, I mean, you have to. You have to stay current so, to some degree, right? So you mentioned politics. I don't want to get into the political no. views, but— 
Have you ever seen a time when people are more at their throats, even no. friends and relatives? No, I think you can, it's almost like, well, Facebook has become the, the place where people are constantly yeah. uh, talking about what's going on. And, oh, and they have they have arguments Right. On Facebook, right, and right. that that wasn't what it was meant to be. <laughs> right, but I even I, I can even take pictures of food over that. Yes, taking a picture of your Me meal. Me too. I'd rather see that than have somebody just rant and rave. But this is not debating. I I was on the debating team in, in college, and this is not debating. We can offer an opinion without crucifying the person we're talking to. You know what's great about a show that you do, any show, is that the audience is there to listen. Is one of the issues really that people are not listening anymore? No, how can they? They're listening for pings and, and bells and, <laughs> and, and, and what happens when, when we hear that is our dopamine, the center of our brain that it helps us with pleasure, gets activated, and so we have become addicted to those sounds. We have uh, innate fight-or-flight responses designed to protect us. Right. They're on overdrive, which is why so many people, as you say, have been suffering with and not knowing how to deal with anxiety. Well, how can how can you when you're constantly on the move? You, you know, you mm. can't even rest. Oh, rest? I can't tell anybody I'm resting. I'll be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be arrested for resting. resting. <laughs> no, it's so true. Uh, the idea that you're judged by your your busyness, right? Or at least you think you should be. Maybe that's the thing. It's 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 self talk that people have to learn how well, to. Well, it's the inner critic now has mm. ramp, been ramped up. I mean, I don't remember my grandmother stirring her macaroni and sauce and saying, "Oh, madonna me, I got to go to the gym as soon as I'm done. <laughs> I got so much stress, I can't I know, take." I know. <laughs> Beyond just thinking about these things, are there practical tips that you can provide the audience these days? Well, if you have the time and the energy and you really want to make a difference in your life, you have to start thinking about what you're thinking about. Your thoughts are the foundation of life. Every thought you have creates a reality. So learn, get some cognitive behavioral therapy books mm. And do yourself a favor and, and see how many ridiculous and inane and irrational thoughts you have. <laughs> people often bring up the, the, the M word, meditation. And oh, yes. I, I, I love it when people say, I can't meditate. Well, well, Kenny, what you do playing That's meditation. is meditation. Yeah. What we're doing right now, in my estimation, is a meditative practice. We're Absolutely. in the moment. Yeah, right. yes. So is that a good yes. piece of advice for people? Find something that allows you to be present to the present. Right. And and distracts you from the chicken coop that lives in your head. <laughs> and it is a chicken coop. It's a lot of clucking going on. <laughs> exactly. And in, that can be anything. Uh, going outside. Mm. Nature is one of the most prof you know, profound ways to deal with stress. Cooking. Cooking. You mentioned your grandmother's macaroni. I'm getting I, hungry. Oh, yeah. Cooking. Uh, it, friends. Having some friends over and having some conversation. You know that that takes you to a, a other places that they've been and you've been, and we need more yeah. of that community. It's the the irony is what extends longevity, not your your uh, kale smoothie uh, or <laughs> your paleo diet. If you're eating all that stuff by yourself, you're going to die pissed off and alone. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I, I I never really met a, a very happy vegan who's so concerned about every little morsel that everything else 
pails and they exactly. just they they they're guilty yeah. every time you know they walk they drive by a McDonald's they get guilty. <laughs> well, but, look at the places where people live the longest. You know, if you've read Dan Butner's book, The Blue Zones, yeah, they're all in a community. Yeah, that's and true. they never stop. We need each other. Well, I would think so. You know, and people can't live, shouldn't live isolated. And when that phone is in your face twenty four seven, you're isolated. Well, you're not you're not looking at somebody. The motion is on the face. They think the mems now are you know giving you the <laughs> the mem. The oh, there's a face. Okay, yeah, exactly. I'll be fine today. The emoji. <laughs> the Somebody's emoji. represented by a cartoon. Exactly. I remember real cartoons. You yes. know, when we, well, guys, it's it's great to uh, hang out with you and to meet you both in my sphere in my little studio here too. To say congratulations on all the great work and all the joy you've both brought uh, and continue to bring. So Well, we, we beat each other up some days, and the other, <laughs> some days we just eat and have fun and laugh. Well, that's, <laughs> that's part of it. That's part of life. And, Kenny, uh, beyond playing with this group, still do some outside gigs as well? Yeah, well, not as much because I'm, I'm in a retirement mode, sort of. Yeah. But I'm finding out that it's kind of tough to uh, keep my chops up, you know, being able to play. So I have to right. practice more. Than I ever did before. Your brother is one of my favorite people, and I right, haven't seen a, him in a yeah, long time. But is he still teaching, by the way? No, no, he's not yeah, teaching. He gave up teaching. Yeah, he gave up teaching. Yeah. He was the best piano teacher I ever had. Really? Uh, absolutely really? the sweetest, kindest, nicest. He is. He, every other piano teacher was, you know, whacking me with a ruler on the fingers. Yeah. He was kind, believe it or not. That's, yeah, that's he, a great concept. He never concert. gets ruffled. <laughs> never know. He's always got a smile on his face. Yeah. Please say hello. I sure will. So your website is your name, LorettaLaRoche.com. Correctamundo. Available for bar mitzvahs, brisses, <laughs> yes. parties, benefits, you name it. Over 50 parties. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, uh, people should check it out. And, and if they haven't yet booked you, they should. Thank you both for coming by oh, and doing kidding? the podcast. It's such a pleasure to be yeah. here with you. Loretta LaRoche and the great Kenny Wenzel, two wonderful human beings. Thrilled to have them on the podcast. This is Jordan thanking you for listening to On Mike with Jordan Rich. Available on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course Android. Appreciate you subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing this podcast if you get a chance. On Mike is produced at Chark Productions in Boston. Until next time, be well so you can do good. Good.